All right, new section today. Uh, Jesus is moving to a different area. We're going to start with a miracle. And in John, remember, miracles are signs. And signs aren't just about the thing that Jesus does, but signs are also intended to reveal something about who he is. So as we read this story, be thinking in your mind, what does this tell me about who Jesus is? So starting in chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there's in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. So yesterday we saw, or last week, excuse me, Jesus was in Galilee. That's north. That's his hometown area. Now he's in Jerusalem in the south. And he's in Jerusalem because of a festival. There are these three annual festivals that occur throughout the year and an adult a Jew would return to Jerusalem no matter where they lived for those festivals if he was devout. It was expected, it was actually commanded uh, in the Old Testament law that the adult Jewish male would return to celebrate and to worship. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Weeks or Tabernacles. We don't know which one. It doesn't matter. It's just a mechanism to get Jesus back to Jerusalem. And so now he's in Jerusalem, but rather than going to the temple, which is where we think he would go, for a religious festival, that's a place where you offered sacrifices, it was a place where you worshiped. He goes to this pool, Bethesda, and it's still there. If you go to Jerusalem, you can see it. So it's, it's hard to see in this picture because there have been, the Romans built a temple on top of this pool and then there have been several churches built as well. But all the way at the bottom, it's the remains of this pool of Bethesda. And it's really big, it's the size of a football field. The water was about 20 feet deep and people who were pretty significantly sick came. If you read, it's people who were weak, and how were they weak? They were blind or they were lame, or the Bible actually says they were withered, which is a tough word to use to describe someone, or shriveled. And so these guys are pretty desperate, and they all go to this pool, and the reason they go to this pool is because they think they can be healed at this pool. Jesus doesn't really comment on the thinking behind it, and neither does John, but from what we can tell from the guy Jesus interacts with, the waters of the pool would be stirred per periodically. They would move is what literally that means. And the first person into the pool would be healed. That doesn't really sound like God to me. He's not competitive, kind of a first come, first serve, and everybody else too bad kind of a God. It seems superstitious. But again, Jesus nor John comment on it. So we'll just leave it there. It's why people were at the pool. The sick people gather at the pool because they think at the pool they can be healed and Jesus goes to this pool knowing there's going to be a bunch of sick people there and he sees a guy and he finds out this guy's been lame, hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. And so he walks up to this guy and he says, do you want to get well? Which seems like a silly question. He's been laying on a mat for 38 years. He's at a pool and you go to the pool if you want to be healed. Of course he wants to get well. Jesus, I think, is trying to get at this guy's heart and his response to me is not great. You may hear him with ears of compassion. I don't. When I listen to his response, he sounds this cross between cynical and bitter to me. Do you want to get well? And rather than saying yes or absolutely or I would love to, he says, 
sir, you know, every time the waters are stirred, there's nobody here who can help me get to them, and somebody beats me to it. And again, I hear some cynicism there. He's been in this condition for 38 years. He's probably have a lot of people come through, giving food and water to them, maybe offering to help on some level. So maybe he's a bit cynical about who Jesus is. I hear mostly bitterness, some resentment, some frustration. It's been 38 years and I'm still in this situation. Again, you may be more compassionate to me and you can hear some level of, of desperation, but he, had, he doesn't have any hope. He's not confident about a better future. He seems to have lost hope. And for me, again, what I hear is, is bitterness and I'm kind of thinking about the scene and he's, to me, he's griping. Do you want to be healed? And rather than saying yes, he's saying, here's why I haven't been healed. He's explaining or complaining. And I'm thinking about the other guys who are there. And if he can't walk and he's at this pool, well, somebody brought him there. He got there somehow. He's saying, there's nobody here to help me. And I'm wondering, well, who brought you here? And why didn't they stay and help? And maybe next time have them put you on the edge of the pool so you can just kind of roll in when the waters, and you don't have to get there. And at least some of these people are blind. They can't see when the waters are stirred, so you should be ahead of them, for certainly. It do, I mean, everybody's in a pretty bad spot at the pool. It's not like he's competing against healthy people. They're all in pretty bad shape. And he's kind of this Eeyore, woe is me guy. And then Jesus doesn't seem to mind. He just says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. The guy's life changes instantly. 38 years of laying on a mat, and now suddenly he can get up and, and walk. And again, to me, a bit of a reflection of that guy's heart. He doesn't say thank you. He doesn't ask Jesus for his name. He doesn't seem to acknowledge anything. He just takes up his mat and, and walks, and, and he's healed. And if, if that's all of the story, and we're thinking about what is this, if it's a sign, what does it say about who Jesus is? Definitely you see some of his power there. He's healed a guy who's hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. I see compassion. Jesus chooses to go to this pool and he chooses to reach out to this guy. The guy doesn't call out to Jesus. He definitely doesn't walk up to Jesus. Jesus takes all the initiative. The previous two miracles we've seen in John, in both cases, someone has, has approached Jesus. His mom in one and a royal official whose son is on the verge of death in a different one. And in both cases, when Jesus is approached, he seems hesitant if not reluctant to get involved and that's not the case here we see jesus being proactive taking initiative compassion towards this guy who i see as pretty crusty then jesus can expresses or extends grace to him anyway but that's not the rest of the story so the day on which this took place was a sabbath so that's really important that's a twist the day on which this healing took place was a sabbath and so the Jewish leaders said to the man who'd been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, well, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who'd made him well. So uh, Sabbath, is it Saturday? Those are Saturdays. Holy day, day of rest, day not to work. Fourth commandment, God gives to Moses on the mountain. Honor this day 
keep it holy. Don't do any work, but God doesn't explain exactly what work means. They don't know. He just says don't work, but he doesn't say what all work entails. And so I think with the best of intentions, the religious leaders over time have created these 39 major categories. Here are the 39 major things you can't do, and underneath that are hundreds, literally, of bullet points. Here are the specific activities that you can engage in if you want to not work. We've decided all of this stuff, everything under these 39 headings, this is all work, so you can't do any of it. And one of those big categories is carrying. So you can't carry anything from your house into the public arena, and you can't carry anything all at all within the public arena. So this guy's in public. He was at this pool, and now he's moving towards the temple. So he's in public. It's, it's against the rules for him to carry anything, including his mat. Now, that's not a law in the Old Testament. There's 613 laws in the Old Testament, and if you were to read all 613, you'd never read one that says don't carry your mat on the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath, don't work on the Sabbath, rest on the Sabbath, but not don't carry your mat. That whole group of rules, those 39 major headings and the hundreds of bullet points underneath, Jesus calls those things the tradition of the elders. So again, I think with the best of intentions, these rabbis were trying to help people follow the law. And so a way of doing it, that is they, they explained. But what had happened over time is their explanations they took as equivalent in authority to what God had said in the Old Testament. And so now rather than having 10 commands or even 613 commands, you've got literally thousands. And the Sabbath has become a burden to, to keep. And so when Jesus tells this guy to pick up his mat, he, he didn't tell him to sin. He told him to break a rule of the elders. He didn't tell him to break a rule of God. And so this guy picks up his mat and the Pharisees confront him and maybe he's flustered, I don't know, because these guys are finally talking to him. They probably ignored him for 38 years. They didn't go to the pool because the people there are all sick and they could contaminate the Pharisees and make them unclean. And so now he sees him and he says, hey, you're carrying your mat, you're breaking the rules. And again, depending on how you hear this guy, I kind of hear him blaming Jesus. Maybe you would say, well, he just got flustered in the moment. You're carrying your mat. You broke the rules. Well, the guy who, told, who healed me, he told me to pick up my mat. I hear him kind of blaming Jesus a little bit for that. Again, Jesus didn't tell the guy to sin, but he did tell him to break one of the rules of the elders. I don't know if Jesus is intentionally picking a fight. We'll see next week whether that turns out to be the case. But at, at a minimum, one of the unintended consequences of his actions is now the Pharisees are upset because Jesus has told this guy to break one of the rules who is he? The guy says, I don't know. He slipped away. He intentionally withdrew in a way to not be seen by anyone. So I don't know where he is, and I don't know who he is. Again, he was healed by Jesus. Doesn't even get his name. So then Jesus finds him in the temple, and I don't think it's an accident. I think Jesus seeks him out in the temple. That word found in John is often used in the context of discipleship. And Jesus finds this guy, and then he says this very interesting thing to him. See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What I see Jesus doing is tying together this man's physical condition and his spiritual condition. He's making a connection between the fact that this guy couldn't walk for 38 years and some sin he had committed in his life. So uh, he says, you're well again, which to me implies that he had been well before, which says he wasn't born a paralytic. He wasn't born lame. He, had, he was born able to walk. 
And then he did something, and what I hear is a sin. Stop sinning. So what I hear is some sin that this guy committed, and God has been judging this sin for the past 38 years through the lameness or the, 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 the fact that he can't walk. That's been the judgment on this sin. And now Jesus has found him and says, you're well again. That's great. You've got to stop sinning or something worse is going to happen. There are worse consequences to sin than not being able to walk. And you need to be careful about that. You've received God's grace into your body physically, but you need to stop sinning or you're going to die spiritually. There are worse fates than not being able to walk. And this guy, again, a reflection of his heart to me, doesn't, we don't know that he takes Jesus' words to heart. It seems like maybe he's offended because then he goes and finds the Pharisees and says it was Jesus. There he's telling on him, I think. He's the one that healed me. He knows the Pharisees aren't looking to give Jesus a gold star for healing him. They're, they want to get up. They're upset with him because he told this guy to carry his mat. Rather than, eat, at a minimum, even just letting it lie, he actually seeks out the Pharisees in order to tell on Jesus. And we'll see next week how that plays out in Jesus' life. Now, I want you to hear this. I need your full attention or none of your attention, but nothing in between. Because if you only get part of this, it's going to mess you up. Jesus is making a connection between the physical condition of this man and some sin in his life. If you have a chronic physical condition, so I want you to think right now. Do I have a chronic physical condition? Could it be that you have that condition because God is judging you for some sin in your life? Could that be the case? Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. One time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this one, Jesus heals somebody and tells them to stop sinning. Never does that any other time. But he does do it once. It's rare that someone is physically sick because of sin, but it's not unheard of. Now, this is not the natural consequences of sin that's different. You get drunk, you're going to have a hangover. That's, not, that's just a natural consequence. You drink, you're an alcoholic, you may get cirrhosis. That's a natural consequence of drinking too much. If you're promiscuous, you may get an STD. That's a natural consequence of that behavior. I'm not talking about natural consequences. I'm talking about God afflicting you with a physical condition because of some, some sin that you committed. This guy couldn't walk for 38 years because of some sin issue in his life. If you have a chronic physical condition, could that be God's judgment upon you because of some sin issue? Maybe, but probably not. Again, this is the only person we see God ever, Jesus ever healing and then saying, don't sin anymore. In 1 Corinthians 11, there's this weird passage. The Corinthian church is a train wreck. There's a lot of division and a lot of dissension. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30, the reason some of y'all are weak and the reason some of y'all are sick, and the reason some of you are dying, falling asleep is a euphemism for dying, the reason some of you are dying is because of the way you take communion. You're not doing it right. And it's not that they're not physically doing it right. It's that the, their, their attitude towards their brothers and sisters in Christ during communion, it, it's exacerbating these divisions and these dissensions. Their hearts, as they take communion, are so against one another and so for themselves that God is judging them 
with these illnesses, even death. It's odd and kind of scary, honestly. And so if that's, if that's you and you have a physical condition, does that mean God's judging you? Not necessarily. Again, the answer is most likely not. If you have a, a chronically bad back, it's probably because your mattress is sorry or because you had a wreck when you were 17. It's probably not because you've never forgiven someone. But I do know someone who had a chronically bad back. Years. And they were in a service and they felt convicted. They had a grudge against their sister. And they forgave their sister and their back never hurt again. I only know a couple of those stories. Again, it's rare, but it's not unheard of. If that's you, is God cursing you? No. Does God hate you? No. Does God, are you more right, uh, unrighteous or wicked than anyone else? No. God is trying to draw you to repentance. He's trying to bring to mind this sin. And that sickness is designed to get your attention. God, what's going on? So hopefully he can then convict you of the sin. You can repent of the sin and you can be healed. That was what the intention here was, was with this guy. That's why Jesus found him. Hey, you're well again. It's great that you can walk, but you've got to stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So I want us to take a minute, and if you're willing, would you close your eyes? And I want you to just pray. If you have a chronic physical condition, I want you to ask God this question, super simple question. God, is this condition a result of some unresolved sin issue in my life? You just ask him that. God, is this physical condition the result of some unresolved sin issue in my life? If you heard nothing, if it was just silent, nothing popped into your mind, then the answer is no, and you move on. It's your mattress. If God did bring something to mind, then you have an opportunity, and I hope you'll take it, to confess that sin to the Lord and to repent. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants you to be whole. So God, I confess whatever it was that came into your mind as a sin, and I repent. I want to move in a new direction. I don't want to engage in that behavior anymore. I want to forgive this person, whatever that is. And I pray that you would heal my body. Amen. So for most of you, and maybe for all of you, who have chronic physical conditions, it's not tied to a sin issue. But sometimes it is. And if it is, medicine doesn't work, and doctors don't work, and treatment doesn't work. You can't solve a spiritual issue with physical means. So it's just important to know if that's actually what's going on. And again, it doesn't make you in any way kind of black sheep of the family of God. It's just one of the ways he's trying to get your attention so that you'll acknowledge this sin and repent. Got it? So nobody is walking out of here if somebody gets the flu and you're going to look at them and say you're a sinner. That's not what we're doing. It's between that person and the Lord, and he, he's not coy. He wants you to know. So you just simply ask the question. And I would say anyone who has a chronic physical condition, I think a great question to ask is, God, what's, what's going on? Is there anything here other than just biology? If it's anything other than, I, I want to know. I want to know. 
so that it can be dealt with. Not everything can be handled medically. And so it's, if there are other routes, then it's great just to give God the opportunity to speak into that situation. He, and he's, he wants to tell you. He wants you to be whole. And so you just ask him, God, is there anything going on here beyond just a physical, is this anything beyond just a physical condition, a physical Ill, illness, a result of the fact that we live in a fallen world and this one just got stuck to me? So this is what I've got. Just give him an opportunity to speak to you about that. And it may be that he has something to share. And it has your condition may not have, uh, the roots may not be 100% physical. There may be some other ways of, of attacking that. I want to make sure that we have some time to, to pray. And I want to pray for everyone who has a chronic illness. And I want to encourage you to uh, receive prayer today. If someone comes forward, I don't want you thinking, oh, they're the sinners. They're, that's not it. Remember, that's all been dealt with out here. This is anyone who has a long-term physical condition. We want to pray for you. You may feel like this guy who's been sick for 38 years. You may think, you may be a bit cynical. No, I've gotten prayer before. It didn't work. I don't want to go up there again. I don't want to get my hopes up. You may be a bit bitter. God could heal me and he hadn't. It's like it's hard. Why won't he? And so you're kind of maybe crossing your arms a little bit and I'm not engaging. You may be someone who, you just kind of lost hope. You don't have a confident expectation of a better future because God hasn't worked in those circumstances yet, so why should today be the day? And if that's you, I want to encourage you to take a risk this morning. Think about Jesus taking initiative. He went to Jerusalem and he didn't go to the temple. He went to this pool full of desperate people. And then he found this guy who was pretty crusty. And he extended grace and healing to him. He asks him, do you, do you want to be well? If Jesus were to ask you that question this morning, do you, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And if the answer is yes, would you give him an opportunity to heal your body today? If you're on the ministry teams, if you come forward, we'd love for you to, to do that. Bo's going to come back, and he's going to lead us in a time of worship. And again, if you have a chronic physical, we'll pray with you about anything. But if you have a chronic physical illness, please allow us to pray with you. Um, you'll be anointed with oil. They'll make a little cross on the back of your hand with oil. That's from James 5. It's not magic. Um, it's just something that the Lord, that we're instructed to do in the New Testament. And so we'll do that. And they're just going to, people are going to pray simply. Nobody's going to blame you for anything. Certainly nobody's going to say, what sin did you commit to bring this upon yourself? No, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing at all. We're, we want to recognize that sin is a, it's, we live in a fallen world and sickness is a part of that. And that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, sin has been defeated and sickness has been defeated. And as much as it's possible, this side of Jesus' return, we want our bodies to be well as a testimony to the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead and his kingdom is coming. And so that, that's, that's the offer on the table this morning. Good? You guys can stand. I'm going to say a prayer and y'all can respond. Father, we do thank you that you've not just defeated death and you've not just defeated Satan and you've not just defeated sin. You've also defeated sickness.
that you, for, you forgive us of all of our sins and you heal us of all of our diseases. And we recognize that for some that won't be until after they die, but for some it can be today. And so my prayer for those particularly who've been carrying the burdens physically and emotionally and spiritually of chronic physical illness, that today would be the day that you would look at them and say, do you want to be well? And, and as they say yes, that you would respond. That you would respond, not because we say the magic words, not because we have some special oil, uh, just because you're a good father and we're your children. And so we're coming as your sons and your daughters, and we're just asking you to fix it. We're asking you to work in the lives, in the, particularly in the bodies of the men and women in this room who are hurting and who are sick. Would you work miracles? Guy who hadn't walked for 38 years. There are people in here who have similar circumstances. And we pray for the same result. In Jesus' name, amen.